Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the Rutterflex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. On today's episode of the Writerflex podcast, we have guest Sophia Ruffalo. She's the co-founder and CEO of FemBot, a nonprofit community of smart, driven, and passionate advocates who take action towards leveling the playing field. <laughs> Sophia Ruffalo on the Writerflex podcast. How are you doing, Sophia? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I, I've been trying to get you on the show for a while, so I'm glad we could get it scheduled. Me too. Me too. <laughs> are you? Uh, are you in? Uh, let's see. You're in Chicago. You do you live in Toronto? But you're in Chicago today, or what's what's? I can't remember where you live. I was when we first started chatting. I was in Toronto, and we moved back to Chicago in February. What an interesting time to move. <laughs> right. I bet that was crazy. Yeah. For the for the listeners, by the way, we're recording this particular episode on May fifth, twenty twenty. So. We're still in the, the coronavirus uh, situation across the globe, although I guess we're, I hope we're in the fourth quarter of it anyway, of the ball game. But uh, <laughs> yeah, moving during that. my fingers over yeah, 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 me, me too, me too. Yeah, moving during that, I bet was fun, huh? Yeah. It was it was interesting. It's certainly interesting to host. We went back and forth a few times hosting events in both countries. And then finally, uh, our last event was two days before Illinois closed, uh, closed everything down. So we were just under the wire there. Wow. Well, for the listeners, um, you know, before we get into FemBot, um, Tell them about yourself, uh, just personally, overview, you know, family, where you grew up, where you went to school, things like that. Those always seem like simple questions, and then you ask them of me. I, was, uh, I lived in, on four continents before I was one years old. <laughs> oh, so that's, uh, that, that's similar to Erica Pearson, my buddy er Erica, right? So you moved around a lot, huh? I did, I did. I love Erica. And yeah, travel is uh, a way of life in my family. <laughs> well, okay, so you moved around a bunch when you were a kid. What did your folks do? So they, they were just figuring out where they were going to live. So I was born in England. My dad's side of the family is British. My mom's side is Israeli. We um, he had My dad had work in Africa, so we went to Africa and then um, it, we went to Israel from there and then ended up in Canada. And then I was in Canada until I was in high school and then I moved to the States. And I am more American than Canadian, but I've definitely been dabbling in both. <laughs> do you have, or do you have like dual citizenship or how does that work? I have permanent residency in Canada, and then I'm a citizen of the U.S., and so we'll see what happens because we just moved back, so we'll, uh, uh, we'll uh, evaluate. We take, we take life day by day. 
<laughs> okay. And were you uh, the only child? Did, uh, did you have some siblings? Tell us a little bit about uh, growing up. Yeah, you know what? I was an only child, but I was pretty lucky. I spent the summers with my, I lived with my cousins. So for two, three months a year, I, I was a semi-sibling. <laughs> I see. Okay. And where do your folks live now? Uh, my mom's in Nashville and poor thing is she's stay at home and just lost power for two days. Ooh, that sucks. That's <laughs> terrible. We're trying to figure out what to do for her. And my dad before he passed away was in Thailand. He yeah, was. They okay. like to be they like to be in a lot of countries. Wow. Okay. So and how many countries have you been to now? Have you ever added it up? You know what, I, I would say probably 20 or 30, most of the European countries, some of the Eastern European, um, and then I have been to Thailand, but, but I, I have never added it up. Favorite place of all time? Like if you had to be stranded in, in a particular place, yeah, where would that be? Taking family aside, because they're going to listen. <laughs> I uh, I think Lake Como was the most beautiful place I've ever been. Right, where's that? It's in Italy. It's the lake region. So it's northern Italy. I think it's right by the border of Switzerland and by, kind of by the mountains. And it, it's just, Lake Como is very pristine. If you've, if you've seen the Bellagio Hotel in, in uh in Vegas, like sort of that's the, the supposed to be a take on the Bellagio. I see, I see. Which is one of the cities. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. Okay. I didn't know that. All right. So do you travel a bunch now still? Is that still a big thing for you? I do. You know, we try, I, well, I visit my family in Israel once a year. I was supposed to go last month, but obviously with uh, the pandemic. We were, <laughs> we, we, we pushed that off, but in last year, actually, we spent uh, six weeks away, and we were in Israel, and then we checked out Vienna, Budapest, and Slo Slovenia and Bratislava, which I had not been to any of those places, and they were gorgeous. Sweet. Oh, very nice. Okay, so high school in Canada, um, did you know that you wanted to go to law school when you were in high school or did you not decide that and you know until you got to college talk talk to us about college and you know decisions around law school all of that stuff go ahead oh sure sure so it, it's interesting so i moved right before high school it to nashville and that was different. It's not the Nashville that people think of today. That, that, wasn't, <laughs> that's right, what, that right. wasn't what it's like. Um, and then I went to school in, in, for college in Virginia. I was actually a voice major and then dropped voice and uh, had to graduate on time. So I was a French major because that was my minor at the time. And, you know, I had always wanted to help people and not everybody thinks of law especially in financial services is helping people but it's analyzing things it's keeping business moving forward it's it's getting a person from not knowing if they can do something to to having clarity on on a subject uh, and my grandfather was a criminal lawyer which oh. I, I always admired him and as were he, he was one of the, the true, you know, old 
good ones that you know, accepted chickens as payment when people couldn't pay. And, Are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> Now, are you sure that wasn't just him telling stories or was that true? That's pretty cool. <laughs> you know what? I hear that from a lot of people. So I, and he was, uh, they, they say, you know, that people always crack the joke, but you know, the last honest lawyer, but he was, cool. uh, he was cool. definitely somebody who would, uh, would help anyone and everyone that he could. So I oh, like oh. to take after him. <laughs> Okay, and how did you decide which law school to go to? I'm just curious. I wanted to be in a big urban environment and so applied to in DC and in uh, Boston and Chicago and then picked picked from there. And I'm a White Sox fan, so Oh, you are. Okay. That that all right so then you moved to chicago to go to school finish law school Mm-hmm. that's when i became a bears fan and now i like the white Sox, but i love the bears love the bears i'm a little bit a little bit crazy about it and i'm convinced that the season will start on time i'm convinced that the season will start on time i i uh, yeah yeah going back to the coronavirus situation if football season doesn't start on time, that is going to be so depressing. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm holding out. Uh, I, uh, yeah, that'll be I have killer. faith. I have faith. I mean, you're talking about the number one sport in the country, you know, not just, not just NFL. I mean, think about colleges, high schools, all that. Oh my gosh, that would be a killer. Um, right. Okay. Uh, okay, so you when you you get out of law school, walk us through your early career, some of your early career, um, and then how that eventually transitioned into you wanting wanting to be an entrepreneur and start Fembot. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm an accidental entrepreneur, so I I, I spent 20 years mitigating risk. And then went into something that I would consider one of the riskiest things you could do with your life. <laughs> and that's entrepreneurship. That's but funny. <laughs> I, <laughs> I started as an estate planning lawyer. So really helping people through difficult times, loss of loved ones, planning for you know, the, the next phases of, of, of people's lives and just really being there for for our clients and then also working with banks who were doing the same as as trust companies and and fiduciaries and so my background really is trust law which then morphed into securities law and i was in private practice at some of the large law firms for about 10 years in chicago and uh, left uh, my last law firm was at Sidley Austin and went into uh, a U.S. bank and, as their trust and securities counsel there worked in-house and it was owned, the parent company was a Canadian bank. So I, I it was really interesting to be, um, having been in Canada, and then in the States, then working for a company that was owned, um, owned by a Canadian parent. It's, it, that's a very unusual. <laughs> it's, in, it's usually the reverse. We see a lot of that. Um, and got a chance to really work with some, some great people in, in the States and 
then got tapped to go up to Canada, got promoted. I had worked on some merger and acquisition stuff where um, essentially they took two banks together and, uh, and ended up with the 11th largest bank in, in I think, mm. North America or potentially in the, even in the U.S. And so then they moved me up to Canada, relocated me up there. And I thought, and this is naivete because I hadn't been in Canada for a long time, I, I thought that everything was the same. And I got up there and realized it is not. Mm. So two things you should know if you're ever going to move to Canada. Cell service, you want Wi-Fi because data is extraordinarily expensive. Oh, it is. And it's it is. Like beyond expensive. There is no such thing oh. as unlimited data. Okay. <laughs> and the other thing is tax on alcohol is extraordinary really and wow okay so didn't enjoy know the cost of alcohol <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that so those are my two tips for anyone who's moving right. up to canada i can give right. more <laughs> um but i moved so i moved sort of out of law and more into an advisory role as the chief compliance officer for one of the uh, wealth and securities divisions and and from there did a whole host of risk management roles and last the last thing i did there really got me interested in kind of the venture capital space the deal side of things seeing okay. entrepreneurs succeed and so that's uh that's a bit about how fembot was born ah. because i was very interested in the in the kind of girls just want to have funding i have a sign right behind me girls i like that i like that I like it. <laughs> right. you, get, you got that. You got that trademarked. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, I I don't know that they'll let you trademark it because oh. it's so close to I to see. the other one. But we definitely I have like uh, all of the elements around it. Uh, I like it. I like trademarked. it. Trademarked. <laughs> but but that's and, how you. So so you started dealing with entrepreneurs and startups and cash raises, and you started dealing with that those those circles, and that is that what got your interest. So it was two things. So there's two elements really to Fembot. One is we have an online platform and global women's business directory. And that was born out of me wanting to spend my income, discretionary and non-discretionary income on women business owners and wondering if I was even doing it I and see. realized I was not. And so started to look at how to find women businesses. And at the time, there really wasn't anything like what Fembot is, where we crossed all geographies, all industries, all sizes and scale of business. So I, as a hobby, I just put a list together and told people about it. People got really excited. They started using our list. They started and the buying list, and, 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 the, and the list was like a list of, uh, of, of women-owned companies or women Founded, exactly. founded, and and there was no, there was, there was not a list like that. You could just Google, and it just popped up. As shocking as that may sound, and <laughs> you know, today there are some lists out there, but nothing like ours that spans wow. geographies or spans wow. industries. What we found was everything was very niche. So you might have a tech one for Toronto. I see that you have to be a member to access it. So 
a lot of the lists out there are membership based. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, I mean, now people are starting to ask their clients questions. Like we've heard from some of the corporate uh, folks that we work with on at some of the tech companies that that's data they're aggregating now. But when they started and built their platforms, they didn't aggregate that data. So we were really surprised that there wasn't a Google for women businesses. And so we decided essentially out of a passion to create, to create that. Um, and so, and then, so can, let, let me ask you a question. Real quick. I just want to make sure I understand real fast. So at first, this was a um, you were interested and passionate about women owned businesses and you were trying to find a list and you couldn't find one. And so you kind of built one yourself and then people showed interest in your list. That's kind of how yeah. it, did I summarize that right? That's kind of how it got started. <laughs> It really is how it got started. And then women started hiring one another on the directory. Oh, so because I they, once it existed, people were aligned to it. They believed in it, especially ah. our early adopters. I gotcha. Okay. So now you've got this, this, this group or this organization or this club and, and people are like, man, I really, you know, I want to make sure I hire a, I don't know, I'm looking, I specifically want a female CEO for this brand. I can go to Fembot and see a list and boom, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. More, more like I want to, I, I want somebody in construct to build my house. And are there any women owned construction companies? I see. Okay. Very good. Now, now when you started building this list, yeah, did you say, okay, I want to make this a nonprofit? Like, when did you come up with the business model of the list, I guess, right? How did you, because at some point, you probably had to be like, right, well, this is cool and all, and I like helping people, but what's the business model? Walk me, walk me into that yeah. transition. <laughs> I wish I could say that it was like logical a plan. and linear. <laughs> It never is. Every time I interview a, an entrepreneur, they always say, hey, look, there was no like perfect plan that I followed. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> it's totally yeah. true. You know, um, what FemBot is today, and we're actually in the in the process of uh, applying for 501c3 status as a charity okay, and good. having a for-profit business. But we started as a not-for-profit because we knew we wanted to help people. We knew we were qualified as a not-for-profit um, and we didn't we, we hadn't formulated all of the elements of it funny thing is I just went back and looked at exactly what we filed and it's exactly what we're doing really? but we didn't know the <laughs> scope and scale of it at the wow. at the time and what happened from from there was and, and it was a bit in tandem as I mentioned with um, my last role of kind of looking at deals and reviewing some of the, the deal documents is people started coming to us for advice. I see. And so now they wanted either referrals or they wanted um, advice on how to build a business, how to scale a business, how to number one question, get money. Yeah, how to get and money. So <laughs> from there, girls just want to have funding was born. And so we had these couple of elements to it with this, advice piece that we hadn't quite figured out how we were going to fit that all in 
and you know fast forward to today the you know that's we've got the advice component and then we've got the education component and we've got the directory component and we're keeping them i mean all under the same brand but really functioning as 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 different things with different um different focus essentially I see. I see how let's do this how about um can you can you give us if you were to stand up on a stage right now and give the five minute overview of what fembot is today what's your give it to us okay <laughs> my my elevator pitch yeah this give the elevator it. let's hear it <laughs> so or in and at our core we are a community but what that community is, is an online platform, an online women's business directory that's global. We're in over 100 cities, over, over 10 countries. And then we are an education hub. And that education hub has two main components. One is our very strong focus on funding education. So how do you build a business and how do you get money for it and that is that can be you put your own money in uh, you get a loan you get a grant you get you know venture capital dollars and why you shouldn't shouldn't be doing that in the education around that which has um, which is quite it has quite sophisticated lending and securities uh, underpinnings and all of that and so that that's not something that every, every person has that background. And so we felt, and my directors who also have similar backgrounds to me, um, we felt like that's where we can offer a lot of value to people that they don't necessarily otherwise get and break it down, essentially translate from, you know, very difficult concepts to, to English and, and entrepreneur speak. Okay. And, and so that's one component of the education. The other component of the education is just your basic everyday needs, like business 101 stuff. Like, where do I go to, to get a bank account? Do I need a bank account? How do I get registered? How do I do SEO? How do I do an email funnel? And uh, I, I've got some funny stories about email funnels, if you, <laughs> if you ever want to know. Okay. <laughs> They're easy to screw up. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right, and these services, uh, these services, the two that you're describing so far now, is that I get that information for free or do I have to sign up? Do I have to pay for it? How does that work? Yeah. So we're membership based and we have different tiers of membership and, but keeping in mind that it's membership based as in you get all of these services, but the directory is free to the public. Okay. So always open to the public. The idea is, you want to find a, a person to clean your house? We've got it. You you need somebody to cut your hair? We've got it. And so you come and we're essentially getting the brands out there, helping the consumer conscience um, in terms of awareness. Um, so that free to the public portion, then there's all of the things behind that, which is we promote. We do a lot of promotion of our members on social media and to our um, and to our member to our community because our community at large is made up of entrepreneurs and people who support entrepreneurs. Mm. 
700 members in the directory, 10,000 people who are supporters uh, around the globe. And, and you need them both. And then we've got corporate partners and, and sponsors and supporters and who help us and, and work with us as a collective essentially to provide negotiated rates to our members oh. that are beneficial. Like you think of, there's a lot of different groups out there negotiating on behalf of a collective. Mm -hmm. We do that for our members and they get incredibly valuable services at much lower rates without our rule is you can't compromise on the service so just to, if you give it if you give it to us at a discounted rate it's it still needs to be that caliber but you know when you think about what what it is that we're offering and we offer that to anyone who's a member which we just extended membership to include emerging entrepreneurs to include um, allies, so supporters. Let's say you wanted to support Fembot, you could become a member, you can't be on the directory. We don't necessarily showcase your business per se as a member of the directory, but we might say and do a shout out to you or on social media saying thank you for being a supporter of, of Fembot. And you would you'd get access to some of our trainings and you know, meetups and things like that, which it just go and you can have some like a a designation that's proudly fembot that you can put on your website showing that you support women entrepreneurs. So we're very much of the mindset that our supporter community is very important in terms of fostering our our member our member base. Wow. I mean, it sounds like a lot for you to juggle. Are you, what, what's the team size now? Cause it's been in business for what three, you've been in business for three years, two years. So we, we registered uh, on LinkedIn a few years ago. And so it shows up as a little bit uh, more mature than it is. We officially launched in August of 2018. So okay. we're, we're going to come up on two years in August. Um, and so that, that's pretty, that's pretty exciting. Nice. That's how many, how many, is, how many employees or volunteers or what's the team look like? Yeah. So, you know, I'll say pre COVID and we'll get back to COVID <laughs> because right now, you know, everything's yeah, at a standstill with the, with events. Although we are doing a virtual gala. So I'm pretty excited. Get your oh, hands cool. and shoes on. <laughs> Why? Are you serious? Virtual gala. Yeah. Now, how's that going to, you'd, all right. You'd need to like get your TV plugged in with like a camera in your living room. I'm just thinking that through. Uh, anyway, let's come back to the gala. Ta yeah, we'll come, we'll come yes. back to that. So um, with all our volunteers, we had about 25 people that were working on different things. I mean, not full time. Yeah. Um, in terms of contractors and people supporting us, we there were about 10 of us who kind of were dedicated. Um, and most of the people who work with us either, you know, work most of their time with someone else or are full-time full employees elsewhere and just doing this on the side. And then we have a huge volunteer team because our events are over 100 people and we like to have a good volunteer team that can just make it really seamless and a really, really nice experience where people are networking um, meaningfully, where it's not just, you know, if we see somebody standing by themselves, we try to introduce them to someone else. We want, we want it to be a really 
good experience and then ensuring that kind of the content our content is always um, we'll have founders we'll have funders investors and then we'll have industry experts on whatever topics that we're covering to give people a sense of really how to how to be how to how to be a business <laughs> when you when you think about um other organizations like uh, EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, or Vistage, or all the rest of these groups and organizations you can join to be around, or, or YPO, or all this other stuff. Yours is a little bit different because it's, it's women-focused, number one, and because it also provides not just a uh, collaboration and uh, uh, gatherings, but, but true services you can sign up for. Is that, mm -hmm. does that sound right? Is that, does that that's, sound right? that's exactly right. That, that, and one other nuance is a lot of times what people appreciate about us is that we're not your typical trade association. So it's not the same people over and over again. Ah, you're really networking like a, a tech a website developer doesn't always um, hire another web developer but they will hire a brand specialist or a copywriter and so we actually by the way we set ourselves up um, intentionally is um, is to have the opportunity for people to do business together I see okay I like it great now you've you're going to hit your two two year mark in August. I'm assuming you just bootstrapped this by yourself, or did you have a co-founder? Talk to us about the uh, you know getting started and quitting your full time job that paid you, and then doing this that paid you nothing. Talk to us about those <laughs> fun stages right in there, because I you know a lot of our listeners are aspiring entrepreneurs or you know, early stage uh, founders. And so I, I'm always fascinated with the, you know, hey, how did, how did you eat and pay the rent while you, while you built this story? Uh, so, so go ahead, yeah. talk, talk, to, talk to us a little bit about that. <laughs> that that's, the, that's the million dollar question, right? right. Uh, so I bootstrapped, I have a couple of co-founders, so uh, one in particular that we had the idea together but um, financially, I was sort of running that piece of it. We're now um, coming together and creating our um, uh, one of our subsidiary entities that we're all kind of going in together to build our technology platform. And so that, that piece of it, I mean, in the early, early days, we were sort of sharing costs, but then I kind of took off running and <laughs> they're, they're working full time. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to accept the responsibility for, for the fi financials for this, this period. But um, what, what's interesting about it was we have talked a lot about whether we would go out and get uh, investor dollars and while we would we'd rather be a more a little bit more mature company okay. before we did that um, for for a variety of reasons one we think the value will be higher at, at that stage and and two we want to see if it you know how, how far we can take it um, 
on, on our own. Now, for the listeners, you need a six to 12 month runway minimum before you go out and get investor dollars. So don't wait till the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, don't don't think, okay, oh, well, we're going to be out of cash in two months, so we need to raise cash in 60 days. Yeah, it's not going to go like that. Yeah, no, not even a loan. So uh, you're not even going to get a loan. But, um, right. you know, it was, and we, uh, we started making money in our first full year. Oh, great. Oh, good for you. Wow. Now, when you say making money, you mean producing revenue that hits the bank or like actually profitable on the bottom line. We, we, yeah. We, <laughs> Depends on how you think about capital uh, expenditures. <laughs> right. Depends on how much you're paying yourself in payroll, basically. Yeah. So, so let's just say I did not pay myself and okay. most people will tell you to pay yourself. And yeah. I go back and forth because as an estate planner, like, I think, why would I take ordinary income? Uh, exactly. <laughs> And, and so that I, I have some, some of my own things that, that I have to have to think through on that right. front, but right. from the perspective of, um, from, from the perspective of paying yourself generally, I would recommend to everybody else to go ahead, to, to go ahead and do that. And I don't know why, but my brain just froze for a second. So I might need you to repeat the question. <laughs> well, the main thing I'm after is, you know, people always, I think people are fascinated with how founders got started. You know, they're always thinking to themselves, well, man, like, how did she do that? Did she just, did she have a bunch of savings and then she quit her job and then she bootstrapped it and lived off of her savings and then didn't pay herself the first year and put all the money back in the company. And then how soon did she, you know, I think those, I think there's a lot of people out there that have ideas to start a business. I think there's a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs, but they're scared or they don't have the funds or, you know, they're trapped into they're leveraged on a mortgage for their home or whatever. And so, you know, they're driving to work every day in their car going, God, I really want to start my, you know, furniture business, but damn, how do I do that? Like, how am I going to live and pay the mortgage for the next 12 months? So that's why I like to ask these questions on how you survived. It sounds yeah. to, it sounds to me like you, you quit your full-time job. You probably had some money built up that you lived off of personally. And then you invested a little bit of that cash by bootstrapping the business using your own personal cash to bootstrap, but didn't pay yourself payroll. It sounds like to me. Yeah, that that's right. And what I remember what we were saying that I, uh, my brain froze there for me was we had, we had revenue coming in. Um, and you had, yeah. We had a, a decent amount of revenue come in in 2019. We were forecasted for a very good year for 2020, and we had plans to start paying ourselves this year I see. when the pandemic hit. So we're probably going to push that out, you know, obviously, uh, okay. you know, probably about six months. But for, for the listeners, what I'll say is if you, if you have a full-time job and, and you can do it as a side hustle, test the waters, make some mistakes, you know, that's a really nice cushion to have yeah. um, to figure out 
what you're doing. I, you know, for the first year uh, it, it, through all of ideation, and then for about the first year of Fembot, I was uh, I was working full time. Ah, okay. There we go. Thank you for sharing that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it really has only been the last year where um, where I've transitioned out, and we knew and you, we were moving back. <laughs> okay, so the year that you decide to quit your paying job and do this thing full time, then boom, the coronavirus hits, <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, the worst possible time for me to do this. <laughs> it, it really is. Um, it, it's an exercise in um, in <laughs> positivity. Positivity. <laughs> and, and you know, one of the things we decided, and actually, it's been fantastic from a company perspective too, is we moved in with my in-laws. So we came back to oh. Chicago. We were going to move into our condo that we had. It was being rented. Our rent, our, our tenant couldn't move out because of all the things that were happening. And we said, don't worry about it. We'll move in with my in-laws and we'll figure, we'll figure this out. And so it's just really honestly being flexible and agile like that, just in life. And if, if you're that flexible in life, you know, you can be flexible in, in business. We actually have had, um, April was our best, um, member month ever. Cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I just, I, I just, uh, looked at the books today, um, <laughs> which I've learned to do myself. Those are the things you learn to do. Uh, is, uh, all of that kind of stuff. There's another, there's another good tip for, uh, any aspiring entrepreneurs out there. I highly encourage you to keep your eyes on the checkbook as your business grows the first five years. Don't be, uh, don't be just handing that off to anybody. And uh, I've seen so many people get in trouble with that. Anyway, not to go down a rabbit hole. No, uh, I, I totally agree. I will cement that because for the first year, because I was working, I'm like, oh, I'll just buy this or I'll just do that. <laughs> and then year two, I'm like, oh, no, I'm not spending my money on that. There's, there's no value in it. Or, or you know, I, you, you pick and choose. So I do agree. And, and if you know your people, when people say know your numbers, they mean literally know every line item to the because yep. Yep. that's how you know if it's working. <laughs> I totally agree. Now, is, does everybody work virtually? I'm guessing it's a virtual company, no office building. Yeah, yeah, we're all virtual. I mean, our events were all in person and, and that was actually where we made most of our revenue. So that's why obviously we have to take a step back. So membership has been fantastic, but um, now we'll, we'll test the waters of a virtual event. Um, but all our folks are all over the world. We had folks doing stuff for us from New Zealand and Australia and Bali and, um, you know, all over Canada and the U.S. So it's, uh, we, we are very, very, very flexible from that perspective and, right. and adept at figuring out the online <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm, hey, Riderflex is 100% virtual. Every, all of our recruiters, everybody that works for the company, yeah, we're 100% we're, we're virtual. We can be because we're 
you know, we're a recruiting firm and we just deal with candidates, uh, you know, virtually. Uh, and it's, it's wonderful for us. We didn't have to make any adjustments, you know, when the, when, when, when the coronavirus hit, because we, we already worked virtually. I, I'm Which is a, huge. That's, that's a really important. I'm a huge fan of the saving money on paying for an expensive office building. <laughs> yeah. I do like going into co-working spaces. We did have a couple of memberships here and there. Um, just now and then for the camaraderie, for yeah. the in-person camaraderie. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I, I do miss uh, I do miss the in-person happy hours. You know, I I've I've tried to have a couple of virtual happy hours. You know, and it's it's okay, but it's not the same. No, it's definitely not the same. I'll I'll be interested to see what you think of uh, our our cocktail portion of our virtual uh, gala because oh. we've got some we've got some neat stuff but you do have to be a little bit more creative from yeah. that perspective to keep people engaged but not talking over one another mm, yeah i bet so huh so so congratulations by the way on getting it to where it's at uh as of today uh you know you've been in business for almost uh, two years you have revenue you haven't had to take on any outsider cash and give up a bunch of equity, right? Nope. And, and no debt. And no debt. I mean, hey, and you're surviving. You're living. Right. Hey, you haven't, you, haven't you, you know, folded shop and gone back and get a lawyer job, which you could do. I guess that's a safety mm -hmm. net, right? You could always just go do that if you had to. Mm -hmm. uh, but you haven't had to do that. So congratulations on making it this far. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> If you were giving, you've already given lots of advice, but, you know, just give you one more chance here as we head towards wrap up. If there, if there's somebody else out there thinking about starting some sort of organization or club of some kind similar to this, maybe it's not even a nonprofit, but somebody else with an idea like that, whatever it might be, what advice would you have for them today? Oh. I have several pieces of advice. My number one piece of advice is do it. Go do for it. it. Go for Try it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I say that every time I get asked the question of, of advice. And, and if you're passionate, if you have that sparkle in your eye, if you're smiling and you can feel the energy bouncing off the other person, they're soaking up your energy and they're getting excited, you know you have a good idea, go for it. The difference between an idea and a business is the sweat that you put in it. Um, and so just know that's a hard road. You're going to do great if, if you're passionate about it. Love it. Love it. Uh, what else? Were you going to mention something else? I know, I know it's a loaded question. You could probably talk yeah. for, for 30 minutes. Was there something else in particular there? I know that you, uh, you could probably do 45 minutes on just that, but so but my, go ahead. Oh, my other my other tip and and i i i vary between a few but this one i think for somebody who was starting an organization is go out and and find a few organizations and follow them and gauge what you like and what you don't like about them I see. gauge how much people in their communities and organizations are engaged and how they're engaging them 
and see if it resonates with you. Because the best form of, of you know, imitation is the best form of flattery. And so imitate the people, you know, give them credit where you're supposed to, um, especially on the IP stuff. Uh, but, you know, really take lessons. I take ideas from all kinds of people all the time and then I thank them for it. I'm like, I love that idea. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use that if you don't mind. And that, that's the best way to get started, in my opinion. Love it. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. When you think back on your entire career now and your life, if you could call that young lady coming out of Virginia when you went to college up there, and tell her anything. Well, if you could tell her something, if you could just call her on the phone. And of course, now back then, those pay phones in the dorm room, right? You're standing, <laughs> you're standing, you're standing in the hallway of the dorm or whatever. You're like talking to yourself. What are you saying? What are you telling her? I I think my biggest piece of advice to my younger self would be to have gotten up in front of people, and even though I was scared to do it, to talk in front of people. Huh. I was terrified to get up in front of people to the point where I would get temporary um, laryngitis. And wow. it, it's a you... scary prospect, you know, getting up in front of one person, five people, 10 people, 100 people, and more. Um, it and I got a coach. And it was, it took me from unable to do it to taking every opportunity to get out in front of people as much as I can to practice. Cool. So were you, were you an introverted high school, college kid? Were you quiet, introverted, shy type? Not, not so much quiet, just really would not like a, a podium, the concept of a podium, a platform, you know, group of friends, no problem, but I'm the only one talking and everyone's listening that that was not my comfort zone. <laughs> now you know I dropped out of music. I was just going to say you were a voice major. I mean that's uh, those don't go together. <laughs> yeah. No, I like singing in front of my teacher. <laughs> can you still say I bet you're a pretty good singer today even, huh? I I yeah, I can I can do a tune or two. <laughs> I should have uh, I should have prepped you on that ahead of time. Hey, can you play an instrument too? I, you know, I play a little bit of piano and I had taken some lessons because I'm classically trained. So I was I opera. See. I see. I and see. <laughs> so yeah. I learned how to accompany myself a couple of years ago to do some basic, you know, Beatles songs and things like that. Now I'm going to ask you something else. If the answers to this, you're going to, your, your, your cool factor is going to go, going to go up by 10. When you're, when you go down to visit your mom in Nashville, have you ever like, been in a bar or club or whatever and just like the bands up there and you just kind of like went up there and like played and sang with them for a song or two have you done that recently <laughs> i used to do it actually in in chicago and sometimes in toronto really uh, really mm -hmm. you at, at charity events they would try to get me up on stage and Sweet. i have i have a song that i'll get up on stage and do if anyone asks oh really okay you have okay you have a, something in your back pocket there that you can do if you if, if you need to i do i do <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good that's pretty cool all right last question for you sophia if you and i i ask this you know to everybody that comes on the show 
if I asked you to put your core purpose in life into a sentence and didn't let you tie that to any immediate uh, uh, family, you know, kind of pushing it away from your immediate inner circle family for, for just a mm -hmm. minute. How would you, what, what would that sound like your core purpose in life? My core purpose in life is to help those less fortunate or um, underrepresented. That's mm -hmm. a better word to help the people who are underrepresented to, to be a voice on behalf of others, to help them shine. And that ties right to your, your company, right? Love it. It does. It does. I, I mean, I, I start formed pro bono programs for large uh, corp corporations and, and then moved on to FemBot. So my mission in life has always been to help people. I love it. By the way, I didn't ask you FemBot. How did you come up with the name? You know, it, it was over cocktails. <laughs> I wanted something that represented woman, but okay. was not as obvious. And so came up with that half with one set of friends with the femme, the French word for woman. And then the bot um, with another set of friends, because I wanted something that signified money and spending, but you know, again, in a more subtle, subtle way. And then of course there's the Austin Powers factor that makes it a really cool word. <laughs> uh, and by the way, for the listeners, fembot.com, F-E-M-M-E bot.com, fembot.com, right? If they yeah, want to B-O-U-G-H-T, like purchase. Oh, did I, oh, did I say it wrong? B-O-U-G-H-T. Sorry. Sorry. I said that wrong. <laughs> fembot.com. Well, Sophia, congratulations on everything you've done so far with it and your, your career overall. I greatly appreciate you being on the Rider Flex show and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. This was great. It was a really nice conversation. The Rider Flex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.